I want you to take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, two verses, 19 and 20. And we're going to continue our series. The third chapter of the book of Acts, in verses 19 and 20. Now I'm going to read these out loud if you would read them out loud with me all together in a concert. That's what we call a concert, either of singing or of reading. We're going to do it all together. Acts chapter 3 and verses 19 and 20. Here they are. You ready? Let's start. Verse 19 says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. I want to do that one more time. Here we go, nice and loud. Verse 19, everybody, as loud as you can. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Holy Spirit's gonna give us some illumination. I'm gonna continue a series that we started last Lord's Day, and it was a powerful Sunday, and it was a powerful word, uh, not because it's powerful from man, but it's powerful from the scripture and by the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with that? You guys were way too quiet today. What happened? What'd you guys do yesterday? What time did you go to sleep last night? Get your rest. Let me just open up with a story about being thankful. An atheist was taking a walk through the woods, admiring all that, quote unquote, accident of evolution had created. And as he walked alongside the river, he heard a rustling in the bushes beside him. He turned to see a seven foot tall grizzly bear charging right at him. He ran back up the path with the bear close behind. His heart was pumping frantically as he tried to run faster. He looked over his shoulder as the bear closed in. He suddenly tripped and fell to the ground. He rolled over to pick himself up. He saw the bear right on top of him, raising his paw above him to strike. At that instant, the atheist, without thinking, cried out, Oh my God! Time stopped. The bear was frozen in place. The forest was silent. Even the river stopped moving. All of a sudden, a bright light shined down from heaven. A voice thundered, you deny my existence for all of these years. Teach others I don't exist and even credit creation to a cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you now? Am I to count you as a believer? The atheist thought for a second then answered, it would be hypocritical of me to proclaim myself as a believer after all these years, but perhaps you could spare my life by making the bear a believer in your laws. Very well, said the voice, I'll try. The light vanished, the river started moving again, and the bear put his paws together, bowed his head, and spoke, Lord, for this food which I'm about to receive, I am truly thankful. Amen. Are we thankful? Listen to what the psalmist said in 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is what? Do you know what it is? He is good. Verse 8, let them be thankful to the Lord for his steadfast love. Verse 15, the same verse is repeated. Verse 21 and 31, the same is repeated in 107 of the Psalms. Now, last Sunday, we looked at being thankful in times of refinement. How many people would say that you have experienced a time of refinement, maybe in recent days, months? Of course, it's all part of God's loving plan, his providential plan, his sovereign works inside of our lives. And so if you're in a season of refinement, what are we to do, everybody? Uh, the title of the series is it? There we go. We're supposed to be thankful for that. Be thankful in the midst of the times of refinement. Well, this morning, I want to look at being thankful in times of refreshing. 
being thankful in times of refreshing. When you think of something refreshing, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Maybe it's a cold iced tea after cutting the grass in the middle of a hot summer day. Maybe it's a sleigh ride. What is refreshment to you? Is it reading a book? Is it taking a walk on the beach? Is it holding a puppy? Is it taking a deep breath outside? I used to do this in the winter up in New England and the stars were out and I'd go out and I would breathe in deeply. That was refreshing to me. Is it going to the gym? You're saying not at all. But you know, for some people, going to the gym is refreshing. What is refreshing? Planting flowers for you. Is it going into Yankee Candle shop and smelling all those wonderful smells? Is it going on vacation to Maui? Is that refreshment to you? How about a Cinnabon? Is that refreshment to you? I mean, for some, it's comfort food, and that might be refreshment to you. How about a peppermint patty? Do you remember those peppermint patties? Are they refreshing to you? I just so happen to have one right here. I don't have one for everybody, so I'm going to enjoy this by myself up here in front of all of you, and we're going to see if this actually works. I know, huh? <laughs> That's fantastic. This is really refreshing. It actually works. Too bad you can't experience it with me. <laughs> I want to look at Acts chapter 3. I want to look at Acts 3, two verses. I love what Proverbs says, and this might be a famous verse for you. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching and find steadfast love and faithfulness around your neck. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, right? In all your ways, what are you to do? It says, acknowledge him. Be not wise in your own eyes. Turn away from evil. Why? Here's what it says. Listen, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment for your bones. I don't know if you've ever been cold or chilled to the bone. Have you ever heard of that phrase before? You've been so cold, it was to the bone. The refreshment of God, times of refreshing are literally to the very core of who we are. And we're gonna see what that means in the book of Acts, chapter three, verses 19 and 20. And there are really three points here I wanna share with you. And if you're gonna take notes and get ready for harvest groups, then you might wanna write on your message application guide or in your insert. Here's number one. During times of refreshing, they point us back to God. Times of refreshing point us back to God. It's in verse 19, and I want you to go back to the verse with me because Peter is about two-thirds the way through a sermon that he's giving. He is a great preacher. He's preaching the word of the Lord. And he starts off in that section that we read a moment ago with repent. He's preaching repentance. Any great preacher will mention repentance. John the Baptist was coming, and the Bible says that he came preaching repentance. If you have a preacher that never mentions that you need to turn back to God, then you might not have a faithful preacher of the word of the Lord. Peter is faithfully declaring the scripture. And he's in the middle of this message, and we're jumping into the middle of that. That is very difficult to do with anything. If you know anything about going into the middle of a book and trying to figure out what the book is about, it's very difficult. If you come about halfway or two-thirds into a movie, it's hard to find out really what's going on. If you're in a conversation and all of a sudden you, were, you find yourself, you weren't really uh, knowing the full gist of what was being said, that would be a very difficult thing to try to do. Let's try to go into Peter's sermon and try to figure out what is he saying here when he says repent. It's very important for us to go back. So if you go back to chapter three, you'll notice in verse one, Peter and, and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So they're going to a prayer meeting and then verse two, and a man lame from birth 
was being carried. So here's another man that was lame. He was paralyzed, couldn't walk, had to rely on begging for uh, money so that he could survive. He had to have people pick him up, it says. And the the man was lame from birth, being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. And so he was at a major intersection. The Beautiful Gate was well-traveled. People were going there all the time. Here's Peter and John going to prayer. And this man had been carried there. He's laid there so that he can ask people for money. So verse 3 says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So here's Peter and John. They just so happened divinely to time it so that, Holy Spirit timed it so that they were crossing paths. And the man asks Peter and John, notice verse 4. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Now, the man's already looking at Peter and John. So why is this text there? What is happening inside of Peter? And it's Peter that's getting this word. It's not John. And so Peter's getting something from the Holy Spirit as he's looking at the man. The man asks for money, and then the Spirit and Peter are having this moment. And so Peter says, look at me. Look at us. Something's going to happen. A miracle's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. The man is asking for silver and gold. Isn't that what Peter said? He says, I don't have silver and gold. That's what he says. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. What was he expecting to receive? Everybody, what was it? Obviously, it's money. He's expecting to receive money. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, which in his mind, the man on the ground there, in his mind, that was the best, most important thing in his world. He needed money to survive. But there's something that's going to happen to him that supersedes all of that. His expectations were going to be exceeded. Think about that, because sometimes you think in your life, this is what I need, God, but God's saying, no, that's not really what you need. I'm going to give you something even greater than what you were expecting. That happens a lot in Christians' lives. Have you ever experienced that? It's like, God, please, please, I'm asking for this. I'm asking for silver and gold, but he's saying, no, you don't need silver and gold. You need a healing. You need something dramatically more important and greater than that, and this is what this man is going to experience. It's phenomenal. Jesus always exceeds. He goes over and above. He is the God of the upgrades. So wherever you're living right now in your life and you think that it's really not going so well and you're trying to hold on to the Lord, know that he's holding on to you and know that there's gonna be a Peter and John moment where you're gonna cross paths with somebody. Maybe it's in this message, I don't know. Maybe it's another Christian that you're gonna have a conversation with and all of a sudden you're gonna be asking for something or believing God for something and God's gonna go, I got something for you that's gonna blow your mind. It's going to go way over the top. And when that happens, you're going to be like this man as we see. Notice what happens here. So here's the man. Peter and John are not able to offer. Or they they could have offered money, but that wasn't the issue. The issue was healing. And so the man receives a healing. The man receives something that is supernatural. You'll see this as we keep going down through the text, if you'll follow. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. This is a a healing where he's up, and he's up and running and jumping. It's not like he had to work himself up to maybe loosening up his joints, loosening up his ligaments that he hasn't used since uh, since he was young. And so here's a man that immediately jumps to his feet. That's the way that God does things. He's doing something pretty dramatic here. In fact, there's a setup going on. It's a God at work story that's un- unfolding here that is what we call around harvest, a God at work story. So he's leaping. He's leaping. He stood and he began to walk and he entered the temple with them. So here's a man for years sitting at the temple gate. Now he's going into the temple with them and he's walking. 
It says there he's leaping, he's praising God in verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with what? With wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, what's going on here? It's a God at work story. A miracle has happened. Now Peter's going to preach. And this is really what goes on. This is how God does things often. He will do some miracle. He'll, he'll put on display his mighty power and his works. And then all of a sudden, following up there is the truth of the word of God. The gospel will be given. He's, this is how God prepares his people. Those whom he has chosen before the foundation of the world who will come to salvation in a period of time, and God will make sure that that intersection happens, uh, it's, it's going to be a done deal for this man. And so now he is experiencing the grace of the Lord, the healing power of God. This is an important moment, not only for him, but it's an important moment for, for Peter as he preaches. So the rest of the message goes from verses 11 down to verse 26, and Peter's audience are Jewish people. It's a tough audience. It's not an easy crowd. You ever had a crowd that was hard when you tried to give the gospel to them? Is that that son or daughter that doesn't want to hear about the Lord? That's a tough crowd, and you're doing your best to try to give Jesus to them, and they're not listening to you. Peter's crowd on that day was a tough crowd, and so he's preaching faithfully. He's anointed of the Lord, and he's going to say some things here that are very important for us. He says, repent and he says, turn back. Notice the text again in verse 19. Turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That what was holding back the times of refreshing. And what are the times of refreshing? The times that Peter's talking about is the, the advent of Christ. It's the Messiah had come. It's not only the, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus and his death and resurrection, but it would extend all the way out to his second coming. Those are the times of refreshing. The times of refreshing are centered on the person of Jesus. It's all about him. And this is where Peter is directing them. He's directing his tough audience back to Jesus and saying, you need to turn to the Savior. You need to turn to the Messiah and believe on him. What was holding them back? Well, laws, a religious spirit. See how many times Christians have been held back from times of refreshing because a religious spirit was in the church? Because you felt like you had to be perfect or you felt like you had to match up or you were feeling like you were being judged? You know how many times that these things will keep us from times of refreshing? Some of you are going through times of refreshing now, and God has turned you back, and now you're looking to him in ways that you haven't looked at him in maybe a long, long time. Is that true? Are we hearing those stories at harvest groups where people are with tears saying, you know what, I have grown more in the last year than I ever have maybe in my Christian life. I'm getting past things that I have not been able to get past in, in decades. That's times of refreshing. What's happening to you? Well, you're being turned back to God. You're saying, I didn't think I was very far from God. Well, sometimes we're very far from God and we don't even realize how far we're from God until times of refreshing. And then you start to realize you're going more vertical than you've ever gone before. You used to be real horizontal, right? It's amazing what Peter's doing here. He's preaching the word of God faithfully. And again, it's not the audience that uh, is gonna respond very positively. We'll see that towards the end. He mentioned sins may be blotted out. I don't know about you, but I have this little addiction that I want to mention to you. It's that little garbage can icon that's on our phones or on our email. Is anybody else addicted to that thing? You just, you just hit that thing, and you're like, yeah, that's awesome. I get into that. You know, that little, it's, what, it's what's happening here. The sins may be blotted out. In other words, it's, it's all put away. And he's saying to these religious people that your sins need to be forgiven. You need to come to Jesus as the Messiah so that you're going to have these times of refreshing, and your sins will be no more. It's like hitting that button. Hit that button, it's gone. 
hit the delete button in your life. It's gone. He wants that for his audience. Any preacher wants that for their audience. And so here's Peter doing a faithful work, and he's preaching the scripture. He's preaching Jesus, and he's preaching for them to be moved. And are they going to be moved? Do you know the end of the story before we even get there? Most of them not. So that tells us that uh, a preacher like myself can preach the word of the Lord and say, turn back, because the direction that you're going isn't the right direction. And I can say to you, turn back, and you're going to leave here not turning back like they were in that day. Times of refreshing. How many people would say, you know what, I have turned back to the Lord in ways that I haven't experienced in a long time? Raise your hand to that. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? Give thanks for that. Give thanks for that. For some reason, your eyes and the scales off of your eyes are coming off. And for some other reason, those scales on somebody else's eyes aren't. And that's a hard one to explain. But if you're sensing the spirit of the Lord is moving to turn you back to Jesus in greater ways than you've ever experienced, maybe in your whole Christian life, that is a a season, that is a time of giving thanks to the Lord. Number two, times of refreshing provide for us a sense of God. This is in verse 20, the first part of verse 20. And Peter's audience uh, really was struggling with the sense of God. Of course, Jesus the Messiah is right there on location, but they don't see who he really is. They don't receive him for who he really is. It reminds me of the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus. You remember that. I think it's in John's gospel. They're discouraged because Jesus had been crucified, and they didn't know that he had risen from the dead yet, so they're on their way to their homes. They're on their way back to their old life. And so Jesus shows up, but they don't see him. They don't sense that it's God there in the midst of them. And so Jesus is walking. He's having conversation with them. And then they have communion together. And during that communion time, all of a sudden, their eyes are opened, and they can see that this was no ordinary man. And it was, in fact, Jesus. This is what happens here. The sense of God is coming back to these two men that are very discouraged. And there are times when the sense of God is missing in people's lives, in Christians' lives. I like what J.I. Packer, who was a great theologian, said of Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was one of my preaching heroes, He said about Martin Lloyd-Jones that of all the preachers they have ever heard, he was the one that gave him more of a sense of God than anyone. I can relate to that. I can testify to that because I listened to one message. You can still listen to his audio sermons, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. And when I was listening to him, uh, this is a man who became possessed. He was possessed, I mean, with the spirit of the Lord to great degrees. And you're listening to him, and you're like, this guy is speaking otherworldly. And I can see where James Packer would say that. And Packer is no joke. I mean, he was one of the most premier theologians that we would know, saying that about Martin Lloyd-Jones. Do we know the sense of God? Do we experience the sense of God when we get together in church? And so here's this message that Peter's giving, and they're struggling with this sense of the Lord. What happens when you sense God is near? What happens when you're singing a song and then all of a sudden the tears start to flow? Or about the people that I talked to in the last couple of years and I said to them, uh, great to have you here. They're new first-time visitors. They said that I was crying the whole time during the service. What is that? How do you explain something like that? That is a sense of the Lord. The Lord is coming among his people. 
even if they're not Christians, and people will discern that God is there. A sense of God. Things happen when you're in the presence of the Lord truly. Things like tears and joy and repentance and confection, confession, and your heart is, is stirred up and your affections are overwhelmed with the great love of the Lord. I remember uh, when we showed the God at Work story for Emily Dodson. Uh, if you were here, uh, we showed, uh, it, was, it was well done. I mean, Scott did a great job putting that together, interviewing Emily and her story. And I'm sitting there and tears were coming out of my eyes. What is that? That's a sense of the Lord working to save somebody, sanctify, change their life. A sense of God showed up during that God at Work story. Not just in my life, but when I stood up and came here and turned around, every person in this room who were here were tearing up. What was going on there? You're looking at the works of God, and then God is showing up. That's times of refreshing. Didn't you feel that refreshment? Didn't you feel like, wow, God has done something wonderful in somebody's life. God has done something wonderful in my life. That's what Peter is talking about here. If you come to Jesus and you're staying there and you're walking with him and, and, and loving him and obeying his word, that's what times of refreshing is. But this crowd here, they weren't sensing the Lord. What was happening? Can I just say this again? It was their systems. It was their religion. You might say that it was all head for them no heart. There's so many Christians that go into churches and it's all about their head. It's all about what can the pastor give them so they can have a little bit more Bible knowledge. Folks, we don't need more Bible knowledge technically. If you go to other countries, they don't have Bibles and they don't know the Bible, but we have enough Bibles. In fact, every house has at least four on average. We don't need more Bible knowledge. I'm not saying we shouldn't keep learning but what we need is to be stirred up from the Lord. We need his Holy Spirit to be so strong inside of us that something is happening to our mind and to our mouth and to our attitudes and to our behavior and to our habits. That's what we need more than just Bible knowledge. We live in a land here of plenty of Bible knowledge. So be careful of filling your brain with the Bible, but having your heart and your affections for Jesus untouched and not stirred up and not moved. During the Great Awakening, Jonathan Edwards said, and this is in the mid-18th century, that one of the signs are strong affections for Jesus Christ that will manifest. That's a sense of God. When's the last time you sensed his presence? When's the last time you were like, wow, God just showed up in my life? I can remember years ago, we were planted a church up in Connecticut, and now, you'd have to know me back in my 30s. I was all about building and building big. And we had big ministries and big buildings. So when I left all of that and I went through a season of suffering, time of refinement, right? Seasons, times of refinement. I went through that. And then I came back and then I got this small church given to us and the church started to grow. And it was growing to the point where we needed a building. So this little Catholic church went up for sale. And we had to raise $75,000 in five weeks. We had about 110 people. So we're larger now than we were then in this church. And so I remember just vividly going for a prayer drive. And I'm praying to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, why did this building come into our life? Because by like week three, fourth week, we had like 500 bucks. That's all we had. I'm thinking that we're never going to make 75000 
And so I'm on this prayer drive, and, and I'm praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, what is it with this building? Why did this building come into our life and into my life? And this is what he said to me. Chris, I brought this building into your life to test you, to see if buildings are more important than people. Because buildings were more important than people at one time. And he said to me, you passed the test. People are now more important than buildings. And I'm weeping. And the sense of God. This is, this is the one most powerful moment in all of my life, my Christian life is 31 years, that it was like Jesus and me and the Holy Spirit were there in that moment of time. And I said, don't leave. I said, don't leave me. Because the power of God was so strong and the sense of God was so strong during that time of refinement and that time of refreshing. You want to know the rest of the story? I went to prayer meeting that following week, and I testified, and I shared what I just shared with you. And there was this lady in our church that wanted to talk to me, and she said, I need to talk to you about what you shared at prayer meeting. I said, what's that? She was, when you were sharing, uh, I just knew that God's spirit was convicting me because I'd been wrestling with an amount of money to be able to give so that we can purchase that building down at the lake. I said, really? Wow, it's awesome. God, I mean, God does that. We struggle with what he wants for our life. But when you shared your testimony about that prayer drive and what God was speaking to you and the sense of the Lord in that car so strong, I knew that I was supposed to give the money. And she says, do you know how much it is? And I said, no. She goes, $30,000. That's a single mom trying to raise a boy on her own. You talk about the sense of God that following Sunday morning when I testified, I didn't mention her name. I mentioned the prayer drive, and I mentioned what happened at the prayer meeting. Do you know what happened after that? A 1,000 came in. 5,000 came in. 50 came in. 10,000 came in, and we reached our goal. We need the sense of God. We get it during times of refreshing. About number three, and finally, times of refreshing proclaim to us the return of Jesus. It's in verse 20. Notice what it says here, that he may send, Peter says, the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Now, who is Jesus really appointed for ultimately and at the very beginning? Who? The nation of Israel, the Jews. Of course, they rejected him, and we were grafted in as Gentiles. But Peter's saying, for you Jews, Jesus was appointed for you. And then he's talking about the second coming of Christ, that Jesus is coming again. Remember, the first, the second, in between times of refreshing, and then there are moments in our Christian life where we've drifted away from the Lord. We'll need times of refreshing, where we need to be pointed back to the Lord, and we need a sense of his presence, but we also need to be reminded that Jesus is coming again. And this is easy to forget. This is what it says in Revelation 22.20. Surely I, I am coming soon. This is how it ends. And then what's it say? Amen. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. I love how that ends the New Testament. This is what we need to do. We need to be reminded often of Jesus' second coming. And this is why we forget often. We forget often. Now, you raised your hands earlier about going through some stuff that's really hard. Honestly, the, the more suffering in my life, the more sense of God, and the more I longed for heaven, 
the more I thought about Jesus coming back. So if you're going through something right now that's really difficult, you're going to start thinking about heaven more. And the harder it is, the more you'll think about heaven. That's all part of God's plan to get us thinking about Jesus coming back. I remember looking, uh, we were at the, uh, it was kind of like, uh, what do they have? Do they even have them? Oldie Fair. They have the Oldie Fair and some other fairs around here. Up in New England, it's a big deal too. So we were at something called the Big E and we were with some friends. And one of the, the, the children of our friend uh, got separated and lost in the midst of thousands of people. And so now we have like this panic going on and we all gathered together and we had a word of prayer and we said, oh God, please help us to find them. And all kinds of thoughts go through your mind, right? When you lose a family member, a child in a crowd of thousands. What did we do right after that prayer? Do you think we were looking for that child pretty intensely? Intentionally? Oh, yeah, we were. We were going everywhere and praying as we were going, and eventually that child was found at Lost and Found. Isn't that how we should be looking for Jesus coming back with that much intensity? Like, Jesus, I know you're coming back. Would you come back quickly? But we don't think like that as Christians. We get so wrapped up with all of what's going on in our life that we don't even think that he's coming back soon. But times of refreshing will do that. And you'll be like, Jesus, I want you to come back. I want you to come back like right now. Would you come back like now? It's such a wonderful thing. Peter's laying this out to the Jews that Jesus would be coming back for them. He was appointed to them as their Messiah. Hopefully they would respond to the gospel. But I want you to see chapter four. We'll finish with this. Chapter four, verses one to three. This is a tragedy. It says in verse one of chapter four, and as they were speaking, to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and a number of the, of the men came to about 5,000. Now you think 5,000 is a lot. It's really not a lot. When you see 3,000 people coming to Jesus in the book of Acts, it's really not a lot. We think that's a megachurch. But you got to remember, there's about a million or so people. So relatively speaking, it's not a big response. In fact, there wasn't a real big response to Jesus's ministry when he was on earth. Did you know that? It's the same thing with today. So we preach the word of the Lord. Churches are being planted. Churches are being led. And you wonder, is the word of God going to people? And are they going to respond? Do you know when you respond most to the word of God preached? during times of refreshing because you're pointed back to God. The presence of the Lord, a sense of God is there. And then you start thinking more about his return. That's how it works. So look for that. If you're in a season of refinement and also a season of refreshment. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for times and seasons that you allow by your sovereignty and by your, your enabling grace. We I want to thank you for the times of refinement that we go through, hard times. So bold and courageous for those people to raise their hand earlier for prayer. And so, God, we know that you're going to take them through that refining, that refiner's fire. It might be a, a season of affliction. Maybe it's loss. Maybe it's uh, some kind of sickness. Maybe it's just a, a sense of desperation over their life. Maybe a cloud has come over top, and now they're thinking the cloud will never leave. And so it will. We know that it will in your timing. 
And so, God, we pray for them, and we pray for all of us during these seasons of refinement that we would be thankful. We just give you thanks, Lord, for that. We give you thanks for seasons and times of refreshing because you're bringing us back to yourself. And there will be moments like in that car that I had with you that was so powerful that I'll never, ever forget it while here on earth. And it caused me inside to just want more of you and more of your presence and and to look to heaven when you come back for us, Jesus. God, we pray that times of refreshing right now in all of our lives are be because of Jesus, for Jesus, and by the power of the Spirit of Jesus given to us when he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Can we all stand? We're going to worship the Lord. And during this time, I'm just going to encourage you, thank the Lord for seasons and times of refinement and seasons and times of refreshment. Let's do that together.